Are you ready to challenge the rhetoric? Today is Wednesday, February 3rd. My name is Sherry Roberts. And I'm your host. I'm challenging the rhetoric. Broadcasting live from the Oregon coast. There's a lot going on here in my state regarding the uh, the so-called Oregon standoff. It's truly a standoff at this point, as we talked about last week. We seem to be playing Cowboys and Patriots here in Oregon, and there have been, I believe it's 11 arrests already. There's probably more to come. Today, the judge announced that there's a sealed indictment. Those charges, we don't know what they are. Uh, they're going to be released or opened in less than 24 hours, they had said a couple hours ago. I'd imagine by morning we should have some idea of what's going on with that. Um, These charges will replace the, or be in addition to, I don't know if they will retain the original charge, the conspiracy charge, or not, um, but these charges will replace the existing or be added to it. Um, The initial charge was to go ahead and swoop them up under something uh, universal that they could be charged with. So I would imagine in some way that charge will still stick, at least with some of them. Uh, I'm not sure. Uh, We, sadly and very urgently, we still have four individuals out at the refuge uh, in Burns, and they're expecting three or four inches of snow overnight tonight. They've been staying out of the buildings as far as sleeping from what they've told us in the different uh, interviews and live feeds that they've done. These individuals' names are David Fry, Sean Anderson, his wife, Sandy Anderson, and Jeff Banta. Um, These four names, uh, they belong to human beings, and it doesn't matter what they've done. They've not killed anybody, okay? They've not raped anybody. They're not child molesters. So I see a lot of ugliness on social media, particularly on Twitter, uh, you know, where people just want to make some really rank and raunchy statements Um, about people in general, but these are human lives, and and I care very much about that. If you've listened to my show or read the things I write, you you know that. Um, I don't care if they believe something different than I believe or not. I still value their lives, and I hope that you do too. So before I get going on everything tonight, I want to give you the details that help me help the show grow and allow you to participate with me tonight. I've had some computer glitches off and on uh, today uh, with the platform on Blog Talk Radio. I'm not sure if the phone lines are going to be working. I'll give you that number in a minute so we can try. But during each live show, you can interact with me on Facebook, on the uh, the Challenging the Rhetoric Facebook page, which is facebook.com forward slash challengingtherhetoric.news. And you can find me on Twitter at CTR News Feed. Um, I use the hashtags CTR, Oregon Standoff, Uh, And tonight we're also going to use Militia, Uh, and of course, Liar of the Week, so L-O-T-W. We have a Liar of the Week tonight, and we'll get into that a little bit later. So I love knowing that you're listening. Uh, If you haven't said hello yet, please do, otherwise I don't know you're out there. I appreciate every like, share, and follow. It really does mean a lot to me. I I don't need to agree with everybody, and I don't need everybody to agree with me, because when we're disagreeing on everything and that's all we're focused on, we have some debate where there's a winner and loser. And when everything is a debate and we've lost conversation, then we've truly lost community. And if we've truly lost community and communication, then we are never going to get anywhere. So if you're in the chat room tonight or you call in, I ask that you be civil. Um, you know, with me, with my guest tonight, with the other people in the chat room or anyone else that calls in. There's no reason to, to you know, be ranting and raving at one another. 
Um, that being said, the number, if you'd like to call in, is area code 646-787-1790. If the open phone lines are working, I will try to squeeze your calls in. Again, be polite or I will have no problem dumping you right off. I'm not going to play the troll game and waste my airtime that I pay for. Um, so just remember, though, if you're listening to an archive, you can't call in and you can't participate in the chat room. If you want to participate in the chat room, you can find that at blogtalkradio.com forward slash challenging the rhetoric with Sherry Roberts. My name is C-H-E-R-I, so that is forward slash challenging the rhetoric with Sherry Roberts. Click on tonight's show, which is episode 14 uh, for this stream, and um, you'll find the chat room there. Uh, you might have to hit refresh one or two times because Blog Talk Radio has its, its glitches. Again, keep things respectful to everybody, not just me, to each other. Uh, you're all guests here tonight. If you want to um, go to the website, I'd appreciate that because all of the stories that I cover you can find on the website. I write my own stories each week. Um, I also link to a lot of other people that I respect and admire, at least for the work that they did in that week. Um, so you can go to challengingtherhetoric.news and find the stories that I write. If you would like to contribute to Challenging the Rhetoric, then you can find the link to contact me there, or you can send me an email at challengingtherhetoric at yahoo.com. And I will reply. Uh, so just give me a couple days. I get a little bit busy. Um, but I look forward to hearing from you. So on that note, let me just jump into my first story. And the first story that I wrote is something that's really been bothering me because I'm an activist. Okay, I'm a journalist. I'm a reporter. I'm a talk show host and producer. But I am first and foremost an activist. I care about this country. But I care about the people that walk on this land. We're always talking about this land that we live on. You know, the USA, we wave a piece of fabric that we call a flag, and we talk about this land and being patriots and, you know, true blue Americana and all of that but I care about the people. The dirt that's beneath my feet, yeah, it's our land, right? But the people, if there's no people on it, then I'm last man standing, and we know how that show ended up, right? So let, let's let's say that a month ago we began hearing about these ranchers, Dwight and Stephen Hammond, okay? Dwight and Stephen Hammond in Burns, Oregon. They had an arson case, and it really struck a nerve with some ranchers, and there were calls of conspiracy that were claiming that the order to return the Hammonds to prison was a result of double jeopardy in the courts. But this is really important to remember because the Hammond case is the alleged catalyst for what we now know as the Oregon standoff. Their case, however, is not a double jeopardy case. According to D.C.'s premier national security attorney, Mark Zay, you can hear the show I did with him, and he breaks down double jeopardy on this case particularly and in general from the January 6th show in my archives. I'll, I'll post that up, and I'll tweet that out a little later if you want to hear it. But you can just uh, go here on blogtalkradio.com forward slash challenging the rhetoric with Sherry Roberts, and you can find that. It is show, uh, the January 6th show. Um, Mark Zaid is on television all the time. He is not, um, I don't agree with everything that Mark Zaid says, and nor does he with me. However, he really is a good, upstanding guy. He really does know his shit when it comes to the law, and particularly with constitutional stuff. So I was really happy to have him, and I think that anybody, regardless of what side of this you stand on, um, left, right, center, or whatever, 
um, I think I think that you would be interested in what he has to say. And I think that you'll find on this show, regardless of who my guests are, we're just very respectful to all because, again, it's not a debate. We want conversations. Uh, everybody I bring on my show, we want conversations. And I, I hope that you're going to allow that tonight and you're going to want to conversate with me. So, after the first week, though, okay, so we get this double jeopardy thing, and we get Alan Bundy, Ryan Bundy, and his militia cohorts, or patriots, whatever you want to call them, all right? Uh, we'll talk about the word patriot here in a minute. But after that first week at the Mallor Refuge, that occupation, the Hammonding kind of virtually disappeared from all the language that was dispersed, particularly by Alan Bundy, and, of course, all the other armed protesters that are with him. And what they initially had claimed to be a demonstration against the imprisonment of the Hammonds, it really rapidly turned into this odd free-for-all collaboration between a few people who genuinely did have a vested interest in land rights, but then there was a whole bunch of others, and far outnumbered others, who were simply pissed-off anti-government militia types looking for their next limelight. And I want to talk about that a little bit later, because I think that some people might have perceived that that's who I am or who I have been over the years. And that's partially true. So the attorney for LaVoy Finnegan, the gentleman, the cowboy who who was killed last week, and this is very sad, but, you know, again, I very much care about human lives. But the problem here with the LaVoy Finnegan case is that this man, time and time again, in his own words, on his own YouTubes, in his own writings, in live stream videos and pre-recorded videos, he said over and over they weren't going to take him alive. He made that very clear. Kind of similar language that David Fry, hold out at the refuge right now, is still making. And LaVoy Finnegan was his hero. And because Clive and Bundy is still telling them to stay, even though Ammon Bundy to get Bill is telling them to leave, David's listening to him because he thinks that he's got LaVoy Finnegan and his family's best interest at stake, which means, you know, by default, it should be David's best interest at stake, but obviously that is not the case. Uh, Again, human lives, all right? Is David's life, if he loses his life, or any of those people on the refuge right now, if they lose their life, is it worth it? Do you think there is going to be some substantial, systemic change for these people losing their lives? If you answer no, which is where I think your heart really is, if you're honest with yourself, if you answer no, then what you're going to do is you're going to lay down your verbal weapon on social media, and you're going to get behind Ammon Bundy's new message, even if it's for his own sake of bail, and tell them to go home. They said they don't need an escort. They said they're not going to leave. They said they're going to die. Matter of fact, according to Deb Jordan, Pete Santilli's partner on the Pete Santilli show, uh, you know, uh, David has said if they come through the barricades, that the feds and the cops are going to be slaughtered, okay, or maybe not cops, sheriffs, Leos, as, as the term is in social media, law enforcement officers and the feds are going to be slaughtered if they go through the barricades. At least that's what Deb Jordan has said um, in response to her, what she said were David Fry's last words. Well, she said David Key, uh, but she meant David Fry. What she had pre-recorded with him and said was his last words, and she kind of dangled in front of everybody, but then he did cook this amount of more live interviews after that, so they were certainly not his last words unless it was some special message that he had left with her in the event of his death. And, you know, that could be the case. We don't know. Uh, Deb has not put that out there yet. Um, So 
we get back to this thing a, a week into this whole shebang and we're not even hearing about the Hammonds anymore. We have this armed occupation about land, and they're not going to give it back, and this, that, and the other. And this land benefits ranchers, miners, farmers. Hey, I'm all about, you know, harvesting beef and vegetables and all that for the food chain and all that. But here's the deal. Any other kind of business, when you start a business and your loans don't, you know, sustain you, if you can't afford your business, then you need to get out of it. Okay, these ranchers are fighting for public land that many people treasure, and they really appreciate the way the federal government is caring for it, at least in some states like mine here in Oregon. If they can't afford enough land to graze and feed their cattle, then they either need to get rid of some of their cattle or they need to pony up some more dollars and get some more land. It's that simple. But to have an armed uh, takeover, an armed takeover, those were, those were the words that Ammon Bundy and his crew used. They were taking over the Nalhir Refuge. They were armed, all of them. They say it's peaceful, and I'm not saying that anybody but Lavoy got shot, but we're going to get into how it wasn't peaceful in just a little bit further into the show. On that note, I want to start kind of moseying into my guest tonight. My guest tonight, his name is Jim Oberst, and I don't know this man from Adam. I didn't go and vet him out in a lot of ways like I would with some of my guests. What happened with Jim is as I was looking at different things with regards to David Fry, Militia, the Oregon standoff, I came across his YouTube page, and he had spoken quite poignantly uh, on many points about what has happened here in Oregon that really resonated with me as an activist, not a journalist, as an activist. And when I say I'm an activist, let me tell you, I pony up, I fess up. I have worked with Pete Santilli. I've done, well, I haven't worked and gone and done stuff in that since I've written stuff for Pete Santilli, and I stand by every word I've ever written. Um, I know Pete. He's a friend of mine in, in a certain sense. I do believe he's fucked up big time, and we'll talk about that too. But what is going on here as I found Jim Oberst on YouTube is that he had a friend of his who had been invited, who's involved to a certain extent with militias, um, patriots, I should say, and that was going to go down there or wanted to go down there, had been urged and invited to go down there. And he had created a video talking about why he had told his friend not to do that. And um, like I said, it really resonated with me. I I, I kind of couldn't shake it, and I watched it several times. So, again, I don't know this man from Adam. He's not an expert on anything uh, except maybe some environmental issues because he does some stuff with sus sustainable energy, w which we'll talk about a little bit. But what I really want you to hear is a concerned friend who was conveying their observations, okay, their observations about what they were seeing, about something their friend wanted to go to. And so on that note, I really hope that uh, I have Jim here with me and uh, <laughs> I don't I don't hit the button wrong or anything like that or I don't lose the call. But, you know, the with this Oregon standoff, Jim did the right thing by convincing his friend not to come because there's a very real possi possibility that his friend could have been one of the ones arrested. Jim, are you with me right now? Yes, I am. Can you hear me? 
Yeah, I can hear you. Can, I'm sure everybody okay, else can if good. I can. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Let yeah, me, well, my uh, – go ahead. So I was going to say, let's, let's just really briefly set this up. Can you just kind of tell the audience, because since normally when I have a guest on, Jim – uh, they're an expert on this, that, or the other. Um, so this is a little okay. unusual, me just bringing, you know, just somebody like me on the show. <laughs> and uh, so yeah. if you can just briefly tell the audience a little bit about you, especially with your work um, with people of lesser means and sustainable energy. And this is not a, as Pete Sensilli would say, he'd be proud of me for pointing this out, this is not a libtard moment. This has nothing to do with liberals or Democrats or, or you know, Republicans or, you know, whatever term you want to use. This is about people. Go ahead, Jim. Yeah, basically my background, I do a lot of work um, in sustainable energy and economic development around low-income communities. And one of the areas where my where some of my activism works with is um is with people that are um like the Hammonds, for example, that have faced alternative minimum sentences or have been wrongly accused um and the three strikes for outlaw here in California. Um I was what attracted me so much to the case, uh, to the issue that that Bundy is doing is when you advocate or do activism um, to help someone who is in prison, the one thing you never do is commit a crime in that person's name because potentially that crime can bleed into the person that you're trying to assist. That's why normally people who advocate or are activists for like three strikes you're out, they lay down in front of courthouses or whatever and have the police pull them away. What they have is they're not have any specific person they have flyers from 50 people or, you know, 20 people or whatever with them. Uh, so they're talking about all the people that are being injured, not a specific person. Because the moment it becomes specific, then the authorities in, in the investigation, what they want to find out is, did the person, is there a connection to the person that's in prison? And if so, your crimes can go to that person. My biggest concern in this, what I was telling my friend, is that this didn't look like a protest, that this was not a very intelligently done protest. Um, that if you want to support the Hammonds, there is much better ways of doing this. Um, uh, and also when it came, when you brought up the issues about the BLM, you know, I showed him how the U.S. Supreme Court already decided, already had the argument between Article 4, Section 3, Clause 2, um, and the articles that they are referring, that the Bundys are referring to, was decided in uh, 1976 between uh, Kelp versus New Mexico, uh, which basically said that the clause that allows the, U that allows the federal government to own private, to own land in all 50 states and do whatever they want with that was Article 4, Section 3, Clause 2, not the point that they are referring to. And also, I told my friend that the lady who is referring to as the legal expert in this, the American Bar Association in Florida, says that she can't practice law. Basically, she's been disbarred. So she's not a lawyer, but she's trying to say she's a lawyer. And I was trying to tell him, it's like, this doesn't look good at all. This is going to be a huge, huge mess. Um, 
biblically big, and their demands are completely odd, you know, trying to demand. Uh, yeah, hold on odd. a second, Dave. You <laughs> just said something, and, and, and it caught my ears, so I know it will catch the live listeners' ears as well as those on the archive. You said biblically big. Okay, and we are specifically in this situation talking about when we talk about Ammon Bundy, okay, and and his family. They they're mm-hmm. Mormons, and they're 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 something the Bible as well as their Book of Mormon. But on on another level, we have uh, a couple different Patriot networks, and and I've been monitoring a lot of different things, Jim, um, and. W- they think they're being covert, which, oh, I wish I could just talk to them directly and tell them how uncovert they're being because they're going to do the same thing that Pete Santilli and David Fry has done that's buried everybody. But, um, mm-hmm. you know, the reality is is that even a lot of the Patriot networks, uh, there's a couple of them specifically that if you are not a Christian, you can't be a member. So you say biblically mm-hmm. big. Were you actually alluding to anything on the religious aspect of what's going on? Have I done or anything on the religious term? portion? No, my well, yeah, friend I mean, you, is... You said something about biblically yeah. big, so... Well, I'm not biblically big. I mean, he, uh, he, well, what what their request was was to turn over essentially all public land to private interests. And okay. I was... Saying like like specifically the uh, specifically what is it the I forgot the name of the place the the, 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 the refuge, refuge? Yeah. yeah when they were talking about the refuge and I said well that's it's never Mal- going to happen it's, it's the Mallor the Ma- Ma- you can pronounce it a bunch of different ways I don't know the exact pronunciation it's the Mallor Wildlife Refuge outside of Burns Oregon go ahead yeah that's one hundred and eighty thousand acres the federal government was never is never going to turn that over, and they can't turn it over. No agency can turn it over. No one can turn it over to anybody. And I was telling my friend that this is not going to end well. This is basically, I mean, uh, you know, they're making demands that, they're basically saying turn over 184,000 acres of land to private interest or kill us. Not exactly a good debatable point, <laughs> you know. Right, right. You know, yeah, not yeah. It's, it doesn't make any sense. I said, you know, that's not a debate. There's a better way of doing it. And then I started saying, well, you got to listen to what these people are saying. Uh, like I was telling my friend who is a patriot, um, and my other friend, actually Curtis Thompson, my business partner, who actually grew up up there. He hunted in the uh, refuge. He went to Burns as a child. Um, was a great place, um, but you know, and he told me about the horror stories of the BLM, um, and um, but he also kind of started understanding and agreeing with me that this looks crazy that Bundy didn't know what he was talking about. Because the one thing when you do like aggressive activism, where you're going to basically break the law in the name of your in the name of your activism, or you're going to lie down in front of a freeway or whatever and wait for the police to drag you off. Um, you have to be able to have, usually you have an attorney nearby you that tries to tell you how far you can go before you break the law and how well, far you, you can know, go. Jim, and 
what's the sentence, basically, you know. Well, you know, speaking of attorneys, you know, Lavoy Finnegan's attorney for the family, okay, for Lavoy's family, his name is Todd McFarlane, and he spent two days out of the refuge, and he has been very openly critical of Pete Santilli and what he calls the, quote, unquote, other hotheads at the scene. And this is a really similar dynamic to what had happened out in, you know, 2014 at the Bunkerville, Nevada, the Bundy Ranch stand yeah. out there. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, and many of these fires are the same people, and they kind of just travel just about anywhere as long as it gives them an opportunity to take on the government. Now, according to a research piece by the, um, the Anti-Defamation League, I, I got to read this little quote. It says about two-thirds of the occupiers appear to have the anti-government patriot movement and more specifically, the militia wing mm-hmm. of that movement, as their primary ideological affiliation. The remaining one-third of the occupiers have an anti-government ideology that's centered on opposition to federal regulation of the public lands, you know, like Ammon Buckland, right? Okay, Correct. so that two-thirds that the ADL talks about, it has little to do with the Bundys or the Hammonds cause, okay? Their agenda is a bit different because it's based on more than just guns, God, and land. It's truly yeah. based more on guns, God, and land. And not that you should base all your ideologies on guns, God, and land, but guns, God, and land is really the Bundy family and, and a lot of the ranchers that he's dealing with and what, what their issue is with BLM and the land grabs, okay? But the other two-thirds of these people, Jim, the other two-thirds of these people are, they have a a completely different agenda, a completely different agenda, those militants that are occupying the refuge, not just with Bundy, but the the four that are there still, none of them are ranchers. None of them have really mentioned the Hammonds much. None of them are talking about BLM and actual land rights, grazing rights, and all of that. They're 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 just being anti-government militia activist sorts. Whether now and, David Fry was yeah. he a militia dude to begin with? I don't know. I think David Fry is a wannabe. Anybody that's going to accept him, I think that he has a lot of views. And let me, I want to say something really quick about David Fry. Um, David Fry has gotten a lot of flack, and a lot of people have kind of really painted him crazy. Now, I, I definitely see why. I definitely mm-hmm. see why, and I certainly do not think he's any kind of hero. But I have found myself, and, and just give me a second here, because <laughs> this is something that's really been bothering me. I have found myself in the oddest predicament as a vocal in-your-face type activist, okay? And that is is that many of the people that are involved with this are people that at some time or another, maybe not just them specifically, but maybe a group they belong to, are people I've done, quote-unquote, business with, you know, over the decades. Okay? Like Pete Santilli, you know? I mean, there are... There are people I've been involved with. We have a lot of things in common as far as our beliefs. And yeah. I I mean, I don't know anyone, Jim, that knows me that wouldn't say that I'm not anti-government. I mean, I'm a 9-11 truther. <laughs> all all, yeah. all of the, the, the very uptight conservatives that are listening right now, they're like, oh, aha, she's a libtard craziness. I'm I'm not a Democrat. 
uh, I'm, I'm not a Republican either. I'm not a Green Party or I, I'm very independent and it's very issue based. But the thing is, is I've, I've dealt with these people. I know you've dealt with some of these people over the time in a, in a very, you know, uh, smooth manner. But something's going on here with this, with, with the whole militia type movement. And truly, these people, these militia people, they'll go to just about anything if there is the opportunity to wave guns, okay, which I call barrel stroking, all right? If they have an opportunity yeah. to wave their guns, when people put a call out like Ammon Bundy did, then that's this is what we get, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, that's what you get. That's also like, you know, when this was going on, I, 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 I only knew about Ammon Bundy from the standoff. That's the only thing I knew about, that there was a standoff at the ranch. I really didn't know him from Adam. And then when this thing was going on, I started looking back at, like, some of the YouTube videos and the videos about Bundy and his philosophy that he developed since the standoff. He kind of became a celebrity um, in, I guess you could say, anti-government and militia movements because they took that as almost like the firing on Fort Sumter. Uh, that he was some sort of, because he stood up to the government and the BLM went away, the problem that Bundy didn't get is that the BLM isn't going to, I mean, his dad is, I don't know how old, but he's not going to be alive for more than 20, 30 years. Uh, So the BLM, rather than engaging uh, these people, potentially killing people or those agents getting killed, they're just going to wait for his dad to grow old, die, and take the money out of his estate. And that'll be it. Uh, why kill a bunch of people over a million dollars? Our federal government spends a million dollars on toilet paper, for God's sake. Uh, so it was nothing to them. It was oxygen. It's like, fine, we'll wait for you to die. The government's going to be here for a thousand more years. We'll just wait. Um, so it really, nothing really happened there. This situation was radically different. I mean, I was on Santilli's uh, chat room trying to get Santilli and the other lady to try to actually protect the people in the compound uh, because that's what they were relying on him to do. Um, like when he had, went in that meeting and at the at the city at the, at the council at the, at the first meeting at the school and the, and the county commissioner was reading off six potential criminal charges, felonies, what Santilli should have done was walked back to the compound and told them, okay, these are the six felonies that the federal, that, the st- that this county is going to charge all of you with. Do you want to stay here? That should have been right. what he said to them. Uh, I, and I agree he didn't. With that. Pause. Uh, yeah. Jim, pause for pause for one second because I'm going to jump over to Liar of the Week real quick. But I want you to stay with me because we are going to specifically, right. specifically talk about Pete Santilli, Deb Jordan, the Pete Santilli Show, and their part in all of this. So just hang with me Thank real you. quick because we are going to go to Liar of the Week. Okay, so this this week, uh, Alan Bundy is our liar of the week. I'm not going to call Pete Santilli a liar yet. There's nothing to prove that he's lied on, 
uh, or anything of that nature. I, I, I tentatively uh, was thinking about it, but nothing's come out since. And, and, I, and I certainly don't want to call Pete Santilli a liar. In fact, we're going to talk about him in a minute. But Alan Bundy is our liar of the week. And here's the reason why. Because after being arrested on federal conspiracy charges for the Melhair Refuge uh, armed militant standoff, he, he sat there and he tried to dazzle the court, the judge, by backpedaling on all that he had been saying in and on social media about his armed takeover of this refuge. And at no time did, did you know, for this Oregon standoff, has it really been a peaceful protest because they have guns. Nobody wants to approach them unless they are somewhere like-minded in whatever their position is. And Alan Bundy himself uh, on uh, an Oregon KATU, K2 News interview, which is like one of the leading television news stations out here. They're pretty good. I, I know people that work there. Um, I've had a lot of interactions with them because I, I worked in a lot of corporate media out here in Portland uh, before I gave up corporate media. And there's some people I really love and some people I don't. The people at K2, um, you know, they have been doing some decent reporting, but they had a, a really good one-on-one -on -one interview with Ammon, and he clearly said in this protest repeatedly that it wasn't a protest at all, okay? It wasn't a protest at all, he said. They were taking over a federal building, and, and in fact, he had said that they planned to stay for years. And in fact, if the judge is sitting there wondering, how long has this been? Is this some snap decision they made? No, because there's plenty of media coverage out there of Ammon Bundy saying that they planned to stay for years, that the federal government was never going to get this back. So, you know, he arrives in Burns with, with this, uh, you know, this uh, his brother and some other people that were with him in the other standoff and other and put out the call and more people come and Pete Santilli comes and Santilli was there at the 2014 Bundy Ranch standoff as well. And, and, and they say that, you know, they came with their guns and their ammo, and they made it very clear that they're not relinquishing to anyone but the people of Harney County. But when the people of Harney County have told them to go repeatedly, they wouldn't go. They didn't leave. The people that are gone now, like Ammon Bundy, are gone because they were arrested or because they have passed on uh, because they were killed, like little boy Finnegan, which was completely unnecessary. That was a choice that that man made. And, and that, it's going to haunt a lot of people for a long time, but truly in your heart, I don't care who you are. Truly in your heart, you know what really happened, okay? Stop with the conspiracy theories on LaVoy Finnecombe. You know what happened. And I feel very sorry for the 18-year-old Victoria Sharp, okay, because she is all bug-eyed in her interviews because she's got, like, PTSD now. But she didn't see a damn thing. She was laying on the floorboard with Shauna Cox, who also didn't say a, 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 see a damn thing. Shauna Cox has said that Lavoy was, in fact, armed, and then no, he wasn't, and then no, she don't know. Nobody knows, okay? And I don't want to hear anything about stolen gun serial numbers because the Bundy Ranch has put that on their page, taken it off their page, take, put it on their page. The thing is, is nobody knows if Lavoie Finnegan was shot nine times, as people are saying, because no autopsy report is out, okay? And this is all being based on this belief in Ammon Bundy and his cause. And Ammon Bundy did so many damn things. The situation is so much more serious than corporate media has given any credit to. Those who haven't been paying attention should be because there's a lot of varying implications on all sides of this coin here. But had the Bundy brothers and other legitimate ranchers tried to get more leverage on their own, 
okay, without that call to action, then Lavoie Finnegan would probably still be alive, and there would probably not be these four ragtag militia wannabe people out at the refuge getting ready to forsake their lives. And why? Why are they going to forsake their lives? For the great cause of not being arrested. How ridiculous is that, Jim? They're crazy. It's insane that, that, I mean, I kind of understand where they're coming from um, because I, I guess it's like that it's finally sunk in as to how long these prison sentences could be. I mean, I mean, just the holding charges alone, the conspiracy to interfere with uh, law, to, with uh, with federal workers or whatever. I forgot that I forgot this term was, but that's a minimum of six years. That's just that one. And then there's going to be the trespassing, and then there's uh, the t- the interfering with the federal documents and the computers and all the equipment, the tearing down of the fences, and on and on and on and on. I mean, it's finally like getting into their head that they needed to get out, that they should have left a long time ago. Um, and that's why they sat there and they said, well, we need to get uh, – pardons for all of ourselves because they don't want to go to prison basically for the rest of their lives. Um, Which was part of the area where in this I really seriously blame Bundy because in the negotiations with the FBI he never tried to talk down the crime. Rather what he did, the FBI said we want to talk to you privately. What does Bundy do? He videotape records the conversation and then posts it on YouTube. Um, Thinking perhaps that he was smart when he drove around the, when he drove around the, um, when he drove around, you know, the thing in the car, thinking that the FBI didn't know exactly where he was sitting. You know, (laughs) I guarantee you the FBI knew he was on the, that he was videotaping. They were, they probably had, 10 cameras trained on him at all times. Um, well, let's talk about if, that. Let's yeah. let's talk. Wait, let's pause for a minute. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. Let's pause where you're at, and let's talk about videotaping. Okay, let's talk about the videotaping that David Fry did before he was left behind, okay? Let's talk about mm-hmm. all of the videotaping live and pre-record that Pete Santilli mm-hmm. did, as well as all these individuals on their little smartphones, okay? Almost all of them were posting their own little videos, pictures, and comments to social media. Yeah. But then we have the live streams of Pete Santilli and David Fry. So I want to exactly. I want to make a, a blanket statement real quick, or I don't know if it's a blanket statement. I want to make a statement uh, about Pete Santilli real quick. Um, I've seen a lot of stuff go out there about Pete Santilli. I have, in fact, shared uh, news media articles about charges about Pete, about different speculation and different investigations on Pete, but I've never accused Pete of anything. And I still won't accuse Pete of something, but I do want to give Pete one point to his favor tonight that was earned and scored over the last couple days. And that is, and I could be totally wrong here, but here's the deal. In the court Mm -hmm. records, for Pete Santilli, it specifically states that Pete Santilli is a Marine, or was a Marine, not not still current, but he was in fact a Marine. There are many people that are trying to say that Pete Santilli is a is a federal agent, or he's working for the feds. He was never a Marine. He was never this, never that. Okay, I don't know 
if they're going to investigate into that in the courts or not, or if they just take him at his word that he's a vet, I have no idea. Okay, but the court documents do in fact say, and it's a document, I go by documents, okay, the court documents Mm -hmm. says that Pete Santilli was a Marine. So score one for Pete there on his comeback. But I want to talk deeper about Pete because I know Pete pretty well. Like I said, I've done some writing for Pete. I've actually spent some time face-to-face with Pete. Pete's heard me sing, doing karaoke. Um, You know, Pete is not a bad guy. And Pete, like a lot of people that have radio jobs, and and I I come from corporate radio. I I was a DJ on a rock station on corporate media, you know, not a talk show, but a, a rock station. And I get the whole shock jock thing, and I think that that mm-hmm. is one of the reasons I was able to stomach Pete uh, from the the get go because I am very uh, very well on the record as being uh, very against Alex Jones, and a lot of people are like, oh well, why do you talk to Pete, and why are you friends with Pete, and all of that. Well, you know, Pete came to me at a hard time in his life about a year and a half ago, not even quite that long. And it was a really hard time in his life on a very personal level. And he thought he might be needing some more help with his show. And he had been aware of me and the things that I do because even though this is only episode 14 of this particular feed of this show, I've been doing this a long time. And, um, you know, I'm a pretty prolific writer. And I am relatively anti-government. I am a conspiracy theorist to a certain extent. Obviously, I believe what I believe about 9-11. So it made sense on one hand for him to seek me out as he did. But here's the deal about Pete and Deb Jordan or Susanna Cole, whatever you want to call her, okay, they are beyond shock jocks in this situation. The minute that Pete called the judge's 15-year-old daughter a prostitute, which, oh, by the way, Pete and I were texting each other, okay, about that because I couldn't believe that he actually said that in this situation. I could see him saying something like that on his show, but not when he's actively involved in a a standoff like that. And so, you know, I called him on it. I'm like, dude, did you really, really say this? Because it came out in Raw Story, so I wasn't sure it was real. And he emphatically, yes, I did, and this is why, and blah, blah, blah. Okay, Pete Santilli is not an innocent in this case. Pete Santilli went to this refuge, armed, okay, Pete Santilli went to this, and he wasn't there just documenting things for the media. He was involved. He made his own calls to action over and over and over again. But because he likes to just do everything raw, unless it's going to paint him badly in his perception at that moment, we need to perceive better, obviously, he just, like, just goes out there, balls out, and does his stuff. And now he's anxious, according to his attorney, he's anxiously awaiting taking on the judge in the trial and, and, and representing the Constitution and stuff. I mean, hey, it might be a big score for Pete, but I really, I mean, the minute he says libtard or something that asinine and stupid out of his mouth, as he says, he's dumb as a box of paper clips. You've all heard it, all right? I, I don't know. So let me talk about Deb Jordan real quick, Jim, and I'd like you to chime in on this. Deb Jordan's been doing a lot of coverage because obviously she's here in Oregon. And she was out at the Burns, uh, their rolling protest that they had uh, a few days ago. And during this whole thing, I was quite perturbed. I mean, I was really perturbed because, first of all, I think that Deb Jordan is not helping Pete Santilli's case at all right now. And I know she loves that man. 
So if she wants to help that man, then she needs to buck up and do the right thing and not just sit there and think that she, or, you know, I think people get caught up in the moment of the attention that they're receiving, okay, and so they kind of just smoothly run with that, and you, it's, sometimes it's hard to get out. But she needs to put her foot down and say, you know what, I need to stop some of the stuff that I'm doing, and I need to stop streaming some of the stuff that I'm doing if I want to help my man, because that's her man. They're a couple, okay? It's not just her yeah. co-host. They are a couple, all right? So okay. she calls me out on the show a couple days ago because she put up an hour-long video that she recorded. She did it live, I think, and I didn't catch it until a few minutes later after it went in archive. It was an hour long, and she's you know, very stunted speech, very emotional sounding, talking about David Key out at the refuge. This is the day after these rolling protests. And so I made a post on the Pete Santilli Show's page where that was, and I was like, well, his name is David Fry. And basically I made it known that the reason you probably don't know that name is because you haven't mentioned him once pretty much, especially in your gleeful you know, live streams over your excitement over this rolling protest, which, speaking of the rolling protest, I have been an in-the-streets activist. Google my freaking name. I'm not just saying this. I am all over the place. I have organized stuff in D.C., New York, all over this country, and I don't mean little local shit. I mean big national shit, all right? You, A, you don't show up with guns, and B, you don't go and terrorize a fucking neighborhood like they did, and excuse my language, but with the blaring mm-hmm. horns that they recorded and posted themselves, their own evidence against them for their harassment of Harney County and the and the, and the the town of Burns, they're rolling around in this loop of a of a drive that they're doing, bullhorning Kenny from the shows, bullhorning about Lavoy Finnicum, you know, and they're everybody's honking at a time that would be relatively quiet. That's harassment. These people are really in their own way terrorizing this town, Jim. Well, if you look more in-depthly at the history of this when I was following it, um, you might want to look up um, the uh, the Oath Keepers. Um, they threatened, uh, during the investigation, civil war um, over the Bundy if there was Waco. There's another YouTube video actually on YouTube of another militia group saying that they are connected to the Pacific Patriots Network. And he says this, and he says that this could lead culmination all the way up to uh, a revolution in the United States. Um, And that changes everything. If you look at the history of the thing that was done by the Oregonian, that uh, before this there was about 300 um, militia guys that came into town uh, for protesting, for trying to help the Hammonds. Um, so you have to kind of look at the situation tactically as well. So you got a town of a population of plus or minus 3,000 people. Uh, you know, little itty-bitty town. I mean, the sheriff probably has 10, 20 guys. So the militia that's in town has 300 guys. So he's outnumbered 10 to 1. Um, So he doesn't know what to do. Um, And he's trying to talk to uh, Bundy when he goes down to the Bundy thing and says, you know, I'll drive you out of here. We just want to end this peacefully. The reason why he's saying that is because Bundy's in there with uh, 20 to 50 people carrying guns. 
who are saying right. we're not leaving. And so the sheriff is just outgunned. So the sheriff calls in help. The reason why they locked down that town is because they know that they have to enforce the law. They have to arrest Bundy. Bundy is breaking the law. Um, and they have to get them out of there. Um, and they also know that the hospital in town only has 20 beds. So, right. so mathematically speaking, you've got a huge, huge problem. And that's one of the reasons, like, when you look at the indictment and what, I mean, if I could try to, and I tried to say this, I posted it on some of their YouTube videos with uh, Deborah, is her name again? Um, yeah, on, I, I posted uh, her and I told, yeah. Uh, huh? Yeah, I posted it's on her YouTube Deb? that she should talk to an attorney. Yeah. You're talking about Deb Jordan from Pete Santilli Show? Deb Jordan. Yeah, Deb Jordan. Yeah. I felt um, so that wait, she should talk to an attorney. what you're talking Right. So speaking of what you're talking about, about the hospital, let me just say this. Just like Alex Jones, sometimes people are right, okay? Sometimes there are people that want to be whistleblowers. Deb Jordan was reporting once again today that the hospital is readying itself. It's going into preparation yeah. mode. And the reality is the last time that they went into preparation mode was right before um, the arrest that happened last week. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, I did tweet that and say it was from Deb Jordan from the Pete Santilli Show to several different local mainstream corporate media people out here and was asking them. Uh, there is a man, and speaking of those, I want to give a quick shout-out real quick because I am running out of time and, and I, I do want to do this. Right now, um, Les Vates, or I believe I'm pronouncing it right, Les Vates, he is from the Oregonian. He is currently in Burns right now. He's been doing a pretty good job. He's a cowboy sort. He's an older gentleman like LaVoy Finnegan. I do not know where he sets on this, but he has been doing some relatively pretty good reporting. But I really want to give some hardcore kudos to OPB. Oregon Public Broadcasting has been kicking ass on this story. I mean, where is CNN? Where is MSNBC? Where is Fox even on something that mm-hmm. is really, truly of much more import than people are thinking? So Ryan Haas yeah. over at OPB is someone I want to give major kudos to for uh, covering things really well. Also, and, and particularly, John Sepulveda. John Sepulveda, uh, I don't know these people at all, um, but John Sepulveda is, is, is fabulous. He has, I think, out of all the articles that have come, off about, uh, come out about the Oregon standoff, he has certainly written the best one uh, thus far, and it was about David Fry, one of the four remaining people at the refuge. And it's, it's really kind of a heart-tugging story, but in the end, David yeah. has made his choices, you know, and all of that. So John Sepulveda, you should be following him uh, on Twitter. Another person of, of great import on the story from the Oregonian is Maxine Bernstein. Um, with these court documents, she is all over this, uh, and I really appreciate people that that bring to me real documents, not some typed-up thing and say, oh, this is a notice or a report. I want a real document. Maxine Bernstein uh, at the Oregonian, she's another one to find on Twitter. And I have to give major props uh, to Forbes.com reporter J.J. McNabb. J.J. McNabb is... This woman, I don't know her. I've never even spoken a word to her. I don't think she's even acknowledged any tweets of mine or anything like that. And we probably wouldn't agree on those things. 
But this woman is a fanatic. She is truly the expert when it comes to extremism in this country. And she's put together this incredible, incredible list, this chart. And it's uh, you can go to deathandtaxes.com forward slash anti-govviolence.pdf. That link should be popping up if it hasn't already on the Challenging the Rhetoric uh, Facebook page because I, I pre-scheduled that to post. And I'll tweet that out here in a minute, but it's a phenomenal list. And these people that I'm talking about, these these four or five names that I just rang off here in Oregon, these reporters, they truly have been doing a phenomenal job, Jim. Yeah. Yeah, I, I appreciate a lot of the work that they've done. I even appreciate – I mean, I did – I probably would not – Agree with the politics of, uh, uh, sorry, of Pete Santilli, but I felt initially when they went down there because I never heard of Pete Santilli from anybody, you know. But when I saw that he went down there, I actually felt it was kind of courageous. Um, and then as things went on, I just was like, "You're destroying these people." I mean, uh, you're, he did a lot of, he did more harm <laughs> well, that's what than good. <laughs> it's for yeah. it's for clicks and ratings. I mean, you know, Pete. The bulk of Pete's writing outside of his website is for before it's news. And I did some writing for Pete. I was I was I was in a crunch money wise. I was in the middle of a, of an emergency move. And like I said, Pete and I were friends. And he wanted to help me out. And he said, Hey, I can do some writing for before it's news under his masthead. Blah blah blah. Get paid. I took a lot of slack for writing anything for Before It's News, but as I pointed out to everybody else, it's not the entity, it's the writer. Um, you know, yeah. we can't sit here and say, oh, this is bad media, and that's that. I used to, okay? But it really is the particular journalist. I mean, they're they're either good or bad, but they're not all the same, you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's just the thing. That's like, you know, what I tried to say in one of my videos when I was trying to basically tell people, you know, that the most, but with me at least, the most important amendment in the Bill of Rights uh, is the First Amendment. Is really what the what the Constitution, at least to me, really is. Is it's this intense document that is designed to structure an argument to last till the end of time. Um, but I have my point of view. You have your point of view. Even you could be radically opposite to me. Um, eventually right. within our argument, we find one scintilla of thing that we believe is an agreement. And in that, we create a law or something that we live under. Um, and that's America um, at the end of the day. Um, so I do have friends that are completely polar opposite to me politically. I mean, I'm a liberal Democrat, um, and I have friends that are basically patriots. And if there was a militia in Los Angeles, they'd be a member of the militia. Um, you know, and like in this particular situation, I mean, what people in the militia have got to pay attention to in this are the charges that have come down. The term RICO and conspiracy, those have real serious meanings. And they're not just for one or two people. It means a whole bunch of people uh, that they are looking at. Um, right. And, you know, as I try to tell people who think that why, when I'm saying that, that it's because I'm a Democrat and I'm trying to be right, I tell them, no, it's the U.S. Attorney's Office that is saying that. 
um, it's the U.S. Attorney's Office in a criminal charge that is using those terms. When they when I say it, it's politics. When they say it, it's the law. Um, you know, so I just hope that people that are part of the militia movement and Deborah pays attention to the charges that are coming down and understanding that those charges shape how law enforcement sees their movement. Um, You know, because it changes things radically. Right. Um, Um, Jim, I I hate to cut you short, but I got less than four minutes left of the show. I have a question in the chat room, and I do need to close up the show and do some other things. Thank you very, very much for coming on with me. I'm probably going to invite you back on. I really like uh, the conversation with you. Um, Is there a link that you want to put out there for anyone? Oh, just. Uh, I, I, I think I gave you some of my links. I mean, I don't need to refer to my VM real, oh, VMrealEstate.net. That's my business. Um, and you guys can look you're at in California and you're looking and for a place to buy. This is your guy. <laughs> <laughs> Thank um, you. Jim, I will definitely, I'll, be, I'll be posting those links, and uh, you and I will have further conversation. I'm going to keep moving on. Thank you very much for joining me on Challenging uh, the Rhetoric. You too. Thank you very much. Okay, so I want to I want to I want to say a couple things here. So, so I have a question in the chat room from someone named Diego, and their question is it's Diego Pally in uh, the chat room. Their question is this: It's about the talent releases. They I don't know if it's a he or she. It says David Fry also mentioned that he had tax forms ready to turn in. Does anyone know who the person is that needed the forms? He gave his name as David Byers. Okay, so here's the deal. Let me say this. I worked in corporate media for nearly 20 years, okay? And when I became an independent journalist all on my own, when I shunned myself away from corporate media because I am the activist that I am, um, I myself thought I needed talent releases for everything. It's, It's a very common rookie mistake. David Fry positioned himself as a media person when he arrived at the refuge. He got shunned, as you can read in John Sepulveda's uh, article that he did on OPB, which I, which I told you was phenomenal. Best article on, on, this, on this happening. Anyways, um, you know, I've made that simple mistake myself. The reality is here, and I don't know this for a fact, but I'm going to give you uh, my 99% nine, uh, opinion on on what's really happening. David Fry is a rookie, and he thought he was going to make money off of all the footage he had done, okay, but he thought he needed talent releases because he had people's images. He wasn't thinking about the fact that he was feeding live, and at the point when you're feeding live, you don't need those talent releases. They release it when they let you go live, okay, but he thought that he was going to have a gold mine to sit on if he came out of this alive. Now, if he comes out of this alive, it is his own choice. I have one minute left, so I want to remind everybody, tomorrow is uh, the second part in my very special series that I do every first Thursday, Sickness of Silence. You think Dateline and How to Catch a Predator, so think Challenging the Rhetoric and Sickness of Silence, hashtag SOS. It's about childhood sexual abuse. It's a two-hour roundtable panel that begins at 5 p.m. Pacific time. I really hope you check it out because if it wasn't you, someone you know has been a victim of child sexual abuse. Please check out challengingtherhetoric.news on the web. 
All the stories I talk about are always found there each week, including Liar of the Week. You can find me on Twitter at hashtag CPRNewsFeed. And again, blog talk radio forward slash challenging the rhetoric with Sherry Roberts, P-H-E-R-I. I really appreciate all the listeners tonight. There's probably going to be more news by morning. I might do another live show out of my normal rotation schedule just because of that tomorrow. So keep on listening and hit up all the likes and shares on the pages. Thanks very much. I appreciate all of you.